Hello, my name is Ben. And I'm Paul. And we are the hosts of the Two Vague Podcast this week. How are you doing, Paul? Doing great today, Ben. Yes. Do anything special yesterday or today or? You know, I can't say that I did. No. But, <laughs> but it did was you, a good you, two days. Would you say you gave yourself some space to enjoy your day? You have to do that, Ben. Yes, you have to give yourself some time and space, space which is space is our word today i tried to i tried to do that subtly it didn't work did it no it, it did oh okay All it right. was so subtle i didn't even pick up on it oh right, right right i had to talk <laughs> <laughs> so paul wanted to talk about the word space did i ever when you think of the word space what is the first thing that comes to mind for you vastness the vastness of the unknown. The unknown. So actually like outer space. Yeah, I guess uh, when I hear space, I definitely think outer space. Okay. The first thing that I think of for space is just the, the more general concept of it's more usage of space. It's more how do I utilize whatever property or things that you're given, be it in a piece of artwork or an apartment or something, inhabiting that space and also positive and negative space. When you take up something, like you put an object into something in, a, in, a, in an artistic piece, you're taking up space, but you also want negative space too in, in your comp. Well, I always want negative space in my composition, which just means nothing, right? Right, right. Yeah. Do you ever do, do you do artwork at all? I have. Yeah. Um, if you could call it artwork. I've done paintings and stuff. Yeah. Uh, definitely nothing, you know, super fancy, but be a nice night, evening or whatever activity. Yeah. Do you go to these like nights where they have painting sort of parties and stuff? Never or? done that actually. Nope. No. Nope. Just but, painting like with Merrily or my mom. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Do what, uh, what is your medium? Um, well, I'd say acrylic for the most part. Uh, I've definitely used oil as well. Yeah. I think oil is more fun to use, uh-huh. but you know, the whole drying for three days or whatever before you can actually pick it up is kind of a drag. Yeah. The drying part is the, is the big problem with the, with the oil paints and you have to plan things out a little bit differently. And then also you've got your medium, which can, which, which can change the, the drying time and it gets really technical. That's what kind of way I, I, I do... I have done uh, oil paintings, but I tend to stay away from those because they are very time-consuming. Definitely. But there are things you can do to kind of alter the, the drying time and make it you know dry faster and stuff like that. But it's, yeah, it's really technical. I generally stay, when it comes to compositions these days, it's mostly just digital on Procreate on my iPad. Right, and, and right. You can get a lot of really cool effects that are very similar to drawing and painting and things like that. So it's a great sketchbook. So I don't even use a sketchbook like a manual sketchbook anymore. I just well, do. why would you? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's got so. it got it all stored. But I mean, you know, if you're trying to work something out, if you're going to transfer something to a to a canvas, which I usually what I've done. I don't know if you've seen some of the things that have been hanging around here. Some of these canvases, these are oil-based pastels on canvas because I like to get, I get interesting textures when I use like blending sticks and stuff. So that's my preferred medium. Important thing, space. Yeah, definitely. You don't, you don't have to fill up the entire canvas. People think that you have to fill up the entire canvas. 
no. uh, with with detail, but it's not the case. What's the last thing you painted? Ooh, wow! On the spot, I actually not sure. I think, hmm, I think like a beach scene or something. Okay. Yeah, it was, was something gonna, really basic like that. I was that. gonna say an alligator. <laughs> an alligator. Yeah, just, let's just go with. Let's just sure. agree upon it. it was an alligator. It was an alligator. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Really? Yeah, it was a big green alligator. It was cool. Yeah, it wasn't a crocodile. No. No. Does anybody know the difference? I think people do. People do know mm. the difference. Do you know the difference? Look, let's not get into the specifics here. Okay, let's talk about space. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a debate here. We're not gonna. We're gonna talk about who's tall or who's ins and outs of alligators. Yes, alligators. <laughs> let's call them alligators. You, you say outer space. What is what is something that? You, do you have any stories behind what is fascinating to you about outer space? What is it that kind of makes you interested in that as as a the vastness of space is it an exploration sort of idea you know to be honest with you i'm not even sure i think there's such a kind of science fictiony connotation with space yeah to where you know with myself and probably a lot of people there's a little bit of a disconnect that you know space is actually up there right. or i guess down because there's not really an up but there's that interesting factor of it, of what is it exactly. And uh -huh. most people in their day-to-day -day lives don't really think too much about it other than like, oh, there's a full moon this week or, oh, my horoscope says this or whatever. Right. But it's such a, I don't know, it's such a strange unknown. Is it, is it something that you wish to explore? Like if, if you Personally, could... no. No. Okay. Yeah, for well, me, I, I think, uh, you know, I'm meant to be right here. Fair play to all the people that leave the atmosphere and go out. Maybe one day, you know. Would but. you? Would you? If you could go on like one of those SpaceX sort of. Do, do you follow the the new the, the the latest and greatest on what's going on with the the space race or whatever? I would say a little bit, like maybe on the outside of it. Yeah. You know? Didn't they have something in the news recently about how space junk is is like impacting the moon and things like that? There's something like uh, some sort of piece of Russian space junk that just impacted uh, or is going to impact the moon. I didn't hear about that, but I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that's becoming a problem. There is a lot of stuff up there. That's yeah. what I learned for sure. Well, not just stars and galaxies. No, things. yeah, just yeah. a bunch of crap. I mean, yeah. it all has to go somewhere. So if you had a chance to go up in space, you're not paying for it. Not but, yet. I think, you know, I guess I would be one of the later adopters. Okay. If, you know, there's a nice track record of everything, right, sure. Right. But I'm not going to be one of the guys that's like, hey, I was one of the first 10,000 in space or something. That's kind of what I thought about. Do you know when you have your folks who signed up for the, the for the mars missions right it's a one-way ticket you're going to go there and you're going to die basically yeah, right pretty much but it's going to be for the purpose of exploration and research i wouldn't want necessarily to do that either i think as an explorer if you were into that that's what the payoff is there are people out there who want the experience as opposed to you know like Oh, that's cool. Let's go to space and we can explore. But it's not. It's like it's a known quantity when when you had someone who's gone there. 
it was as much of an extent as it is it can be a known quantity right for sure i think some people are are just wired differently in that way yeah. you know it's the same thing with like scuba divers or cave divers oh, yeah. or whatever yeah, definitely i have no you know interest myself to be a thousand feet underwater or something looking at a underwater cave but some people that's what they want because it's you know it's the unknown it's the exploration right one difference there is that it's it's an ecosystem to explore right whereas space i wouldn't call that an ecosystem would you as far as we know we don't have any proof of like life interacting through space i would say no do you believe in aliens yeah i would Okay. I think the the once you do like the statistics of everything, you know, right. the billions of galaxies and the billions of stars, each having planets, right? It seems unlikely to be like, yeah, this is the only spot where life formed. And there's of course the whole you know Fermi paradox. If there's so many planets with life, where are they? Right. You know, we see such a small portion of the sky from Earth, mm-hmm. and. You know, we have no way of knowing what's going on in a galaxy, you know, billions of light years away. If you're on the moon and you're looking at the Earth, you can't even really see that there's evidence of humans. Right. It's not until you're, you know, in like low Earth orbit or something. Right. That you can see the actual evidence. Well, I think you can't, I mean, you can see um, like as far as the atmosphere, like that kind of evidence, but it's not actual physical evidence that there are people there. It's just like... You see clouds of smoke and or whatever, right? right? So the moon landing landing wasn't fake. <laughs> I don't think so. <sighs> that would be uh, quite the stunt to pull off. Well, and keep everybody I mean, on board. You know, I, I mean that seems pretty silly. Given and there are still people out there who probably believe that that it was fake. Oh, definitely. So, what do they think about people going into space now, and the fact that it, you know, the Earth is not flat? There are people who believe that the Earth is flat. I don't even know what to say to that, unfortunately. Yeah, to me, it's... People will believe anything, I I think What I think it's funny is that kind of belief was perpetuated by way of the internet. And what does the internet rely upon? It relies upon satellites that rotate around the Earth. Oh, I'm sure there's some convoluted explanation. I don't get it. But anyway... Let's not even go into the flat earth stuff. Let's talk more about the vastness of space. You say that you've always been interested in it, but it's just been sort of like one of those things you think about more than anything else. Do you keep track of like NASA and all those, you know, like the the, the space program and things like that? A bit, yep. Um, Follow like their social accounts and everything, definitely. So do you know anything about the the new, uh, was it, the, there's a new telescope that was yeah, launched, the, the James, James Webb? Webb yep. Yeah, Do you know anything about that? What's the, what's, the, I, I know what it looks like. It's like a big honeycomb looking yeah, sort of like thing. Yeah, it's like nine different little like hexagons or something like that. Yeah. Um, what is it supposed to find? Uh, as far as I know, it's just supposed to look further into space than anything we have. Okay. Because, um, of course, we have Hubble. That was the one that was the furthest for a while, or right? No? Okay, yeah, I think it launched. Uh, what was it like the late nineties? I don't even know. It might have been earlier than that. Um, I can look it up. I've got it. I've got it here somewhere. But yeah, continue. But uh, I know the hub, or not the Hubble. The Web was supposed to be launched like three or four years ago, I think, originally, and uh-huh. it kept getting delayed for various reasons. Yeah. Um. So it was just launched. 
December 25th, it looks like. Yeah, I think they said it just un- like uh, unfolded the other day. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I see the, the picture of it, and it looks, it does look like a honeycomb. Okay, it's intended to succeed the Hubble Space Telescope. So, and it's named after James Webb. Do you know who James E. Webb is? He was, I want to say, a director at NASA or something, like in the... Yes, yeah, uh, it like looks the, like he was a uh, undersecretary of uh, undersecretary of state from 1949 to 1952, and he was also the second appointed administrator of NASA from 1961 to 1968. And then with the the Hubble telescope, right? That's the other one that was the largest telescope. Do you know about Edwin Hubble? You know, I'm going to be disappointing my astronomy professors, uh, but I don't remember what he's known for now. Okay. Um, also, this is pretty weird. Also an American politician. <laughs> Hubble? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Edwin Hubble. You know. Ed, Edwin Nelson Hubble, an American politician in New York and Michigan who served one term in the United States House of Representatives. Let's just scratch all that because that dude is the different Hubble. So... <laughs> I was going to say, when Edwin, <laughs> I've Hub- never heard well, that you, before. You know, you know, Edwin Hubble. That's pretty. Uh, that's that's a pretty unique name. I would think so, right? Yeah, definitely. How many Edwins do you know? Zero. I know zero Edwins as well. Yeah. Uh, not the jazz trombonist. Are you kidding me, man? Ed- Edwin Powell Hubble, uh, an American astronomer. You're just making stuff up now. No, this is actually the this is the true thing. This is actually who Edwin Hubble is. Edwin Powell Hubble, he was born in 1889 and lived until 1953. An American astronomer played a critical role in establishing fields of extragalactic astronomy. So he had, he, he was basically an astronomer and he had a lot of theories. I've got a very important question about these two telescopes for you. Okay. Who would win in a fight? Edwin Hubble or James Webb? (laughs) This is very important. We need to discuss this. Well, if we're going for the telescopes, I'm saying James Webb. Oh, of course. It's big. It would just smash into Hubble, wouldn't it? Listen, bigger doesn't necessarily mean better. That's true. If if history is any teacher, (laughs) then it just means bigger. Okay. That explains why Andre the Giant didn't rule the world, I guess. No, it's true. It's like you got your <laughs> your scrappy fast guys. And what it looks like is Edwin Hubble here, I see a picture of him, and it looks like he smokes a pipe. So he's probably got poor... Poor respiratory. Poor respiratory <laughs> function. And this James Webb guy, he looks to be pretty like a big dude. I'm thinking, I'm thinking James Webb. I'm thinking James Webb... In the in the second round, maybe. So it's fitting. He's the bigger telescope. He's the bigger telescope. <laughs> you have no no urge to speculate on which NASA involved astronomer would win in a fight. Okay, fine. Do you have a telescope yourself? No, I don't. Have you ever wanted a telescope? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something on the uh, horizon, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Those can be pretty expensive, right? Oh, definitely. Do you like looking at the stars in general? The con- I mean, is it is it something that's enjoy- enjoyable for you to just look at stars? Oh, definitely, you- yeah. I mean, you know, just going out and staring up at the night sky for a little bit, watching the twinkle or 
you know, seeing the little changes in colors or whatever, you know, right, it's always right. interesting, definitely. Yeah, I like watching the twinkle. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I enjoy the twinkle, Ben. Yeah, I, I think that's what I'm going to say now, <laughs> uh, from now on. It's like, stars, I enjoy watching the twinkle. <laughs> With space, do you have any other, like, memories of things that you did involving space? Like, you know, stories. Because hmm. I remember, this is one thing, we used to go to the Adler Planetarium, a museum in Chicago uh, that's built towards the end of a pier. It's basically a larger version of the one that they have at the University of Arizona, which is... Flandreau. Flandreau. Yeah. Yeah. You said you took a class there? Oh, yeah. That was incredible. Did you, did you actually use the... Did they actually do the planet, the projecting of they things? They did, on yeah. It? Pretty much. Uh, so I met with that class twice a week, uh-huh. and it was... Like every week we would do at least one day, you know, where even if it was like for 20 minutes or whatever, uh, where they would show everything up on the planetarium on the projection. And what would you talk about? Would you talk about like just the planetary, the, the alignment, the constellations, a little bit of everything? What, 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 it, it was it kind of like watching, did you ever watch Cosmos? The yeah. Cosmos shows either, either one, the one with. Yeah, I've watched the newer one with newer, Neil. Yeah. Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Seems kind of full of himself sometimes. You know, I'm I not, wasn't going to say anything. I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm not making it. Maybe I'm sure he's a wonderful dude. Very smart. But he just kind of seems Apparently like. Apparently likes to kiss himself on the lips in the mirror. Have you ever seen that? No. <laughs> Somebody uh, went through his tweets and he has like, I don't know, 10 or 12 tweets where he's talking about if you try to kiss yourself in the mirror, you can only kiss yourself on the lips. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like some like great shower thought he came up with, and right? Right. And it he just f- keeps reoccurring to him every few years. Yeah, he just forgets that he for- that he thought of it. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, funny. "I need to share this with the world again." <laughs> <laughs> I think it also shows a lot about him as well, like yeah, that, that he's even trying to do this in the first place. Yeah, but it's like, uh, yeah, but yeah that, cosmos. When you go to a class that's on astronomy. I think I went to a couple of classes and I had to drop it for focusing on something else. So I don't think I completed the astronomy course. Is it something that you talk about the formation of things? Is it, is it, you know, or is it stars? Like what was the class to you and what was it about? So it was very surface level astronomy. You know, we didn't go in too much into the math of why things are happening or anything. It was more of the general ideas and uh like one that stuck out to me um and that we kind of talked about a little already was you know what we can actually see in the night sky right and how small that is compared to even just our own galaxy let alone the rest of the universe you know we have all these constellations that people for thousands of years have looked up at and made note of in one way or another you know once you get to a certain level which isn't even that far away from earth they completely distort and you know it's not even recognizable at all right which i always thought was interesting you know because you have people that will kind of base their lives around astrology and everything okay okay do you, and, have, uh, do you have any strong thoughts on that so i will say it's it's not for me really okay um you know for the same kind of idea like these are all places that are very far away Right. And they only form pictures, so to speak, because of our position. Right. You know, it's not like they're actually like, oh, you connect this star to this star and to that one or whatever. Yeah. So I always thought it was a little silly in that regard. 
to each their own, I guess. No, nobody really knows, yeah. I guess, what's happening. So, to, to, to me, it kind of makes sense because the moon affects the tides, and and they're you know, so it would it would stand to reason that other bodies and things might affect things. Anything rotating around our sun and a part of the gravity and all that stuff, all those things could have an impact. My sticking point with uh, astrology has always been, how do you collect the data? Right. So, so how do you collect all that personal data about someone who's born under this sign and has this thing and people who are this day, they act in these ways. There's no way to actually, back when this was developed, there was no way to actually measure that stuff. We could, we could, we could do it now. We could start now. Right. Maybe you and I should start a program where we record everyone's personality. Tra- and that would be kind of creepy. You know what? <laughs> Google already does that. I'm sure they're way ahead of us. <laughs> They could probably tell us if we're right or not. Yeah, they're probably yeah, exactly. They probably they're probably marketing to us based on astrology. Yeah. I think that's probably their big secret. Anyway, <laughs> no, but I mean that was always the thing is like how do you get the data? Exactly. But yeah. I mean it makes sense to me from people are always looking for explanations about why things are so it stands to reason that they would use something like that to kind of try and explain it. Right. But I mean, to me, it's more like it's a fun thing to think about, right? It's not necessarily a thing that I live my life by. You but don't it, get up in the morning and read your horoscope. No, not unless it's the one in the onion. <laughs> Have you ever read the onion? Oh, definitely. Yes. Oh, yes. Onion used to do, and this was back when I was in college, they had a paper version. So the onion now is only web based. And I think you're a little bit young to remember. The Onion started in the Big Ten campuses like University of Illinois and, and University of Wisconsin-Madison and all those places. That's where it kind of they got their start. And what they would do is put out this satirical sort of newspaper and then leave spots in the newspaper blank so you could have your local advertisers put their own ads in. So that's basically what they did. They would, you know, you'd have the different versions for different campuses, right? You'd have different coupons to Papa John's. Papa John's pizza was a staple of a college boy's life back in my day. But anyway. It still is, yeah. Cheap-ass pizza. Timeless. Gross. Mm. But (laughs) what do you think? About Papa John's pizza? Just pizza in general. Oh, dude, pizza's amazing. Okay, but Papa John's? I mean, it gets the job done. You know, I'm not writing home about it. But. No, I'm too much of a snob when it comes to pizza. I need to have creative toppings on pizza. I like standard pizza, but but okay. So pineapple anyway, on pizza, the onion. They used to do. <laughs> they used to do this. This your real horoscope, and it would be like tomorrow you'll have the thought that you are feeling hungry, but actually you're being eaten by rabid badgers, or you know, just like random stuff. Yeah, that is what I would read every day. I think there's some good quality value in that. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, here's here's another thing. You're you're a space guy. Pluto. Pluto. What is it now? Is it a planet? Is it a mini planet? Is it a not a planet? They keep on changing their minds. I think officially we're still at dwarf planet, right? Dwarf planet. Okay. That's what I thought. I thought it was like, yeah. It was discovered in Flagstaff in Arizona. Oh, really? Yeah. When? Uh, it was like early 1900s. Ah. Yeah. Wow. See, See, you know about space. 
Percival Lowell, his observatory up in Flagstaff. Um, he actually wasn't even looking for the planet originally. He was looking for, uh, he was convinced that there were aliens using uh, canals on Mars to send like the ice cap water from the poles. Wait, so, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> seriously? Yeah, seriously. So he actually thought, and a lot of people started convincing themselves of this at the time, that there was actually aliens on Mars and that they were using canals to pipe like the frozen ice or whatever on the polar caps to the like more, I guess, equatorial regions. Huh. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it started to become like kind of an embarrassment for them because they were being proven wrong. They started shifting their focus to finding like the mysterious ninth planet. Uh, I think they had some like inclination that it was out there. Okay. And then eventually it was discovered. I think it was after his death, though. Like okay. It was just his observatory. Okay, yeah. He founded the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona, and formed the beginning of the effort that led to the discovery of Pluto 14 years after his death. Yeah, so, you know, part of you only you almost want it to be a planet. So you have that little, like, hey, Arizona, good yeah. job. We good discovered job. a planet. <laughs> But then but, they took it away from us. So no, they, they took it. It's, yeah. a dwarf, it's a dwarf. So anything beyond Pluto is going to be a dwarf planet. Uh, I, so there, we don't know for sure. Actually, they, they. I think they think there might be some type of dark planet out there because you know once you get further and further out, it's harder to detect them. Obviously, right? Because so, because the light doesn't get all that distance. Exactly. So there is some thought that there's actually like a really big 10th planet out there that we just haven't been able to detect yet. Huh. Okay. But it'd be really far out. Like I think actually farther from, you know, farther than Pluto is from here, like that distance again from Pluto to that planet. The way I think about um, aliens <laughs> out there, uh, it's also, it's sort of like astrology too. It's like, it would be cool if it if it is but you know until they introduce themselves or they come down on the planet why worry about it i'm yeah. not going to worry about you know a big alien takeover until it actually starts <laughs> exactly <laughs> well, and you know compared to them we may just be nothing right maybe little, know. Yeah. little bugs or something to did, where you know they may not have interest in us right did you look at you know how all that uh, information on area 51 had been declassified did you look at any of that stuff like no what if we get a whole bunch of random people to just show up and rush it? Surely nobody's ever thought of that before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They I can't stop about... us all. Yeah. Yes, right. they can. Yes. Very they... easily, actually. <laughs> yes. They can They can definitely stop all 15 of you, I'm yeah, pretty sure. Even if you Naruto run. Didn't they determine that that was a joke? Basically? Oh, the storming area 51? Yeah. Well, I think for most people it was, but some of them believed that it was a serious people showed up uh, people did show up but it, yeah. but not many right oh yeah no, it was like you said like 15 right i don't think there's anything to uh i mean i don't know i didn't read in the declassified area 51 papers but i feel like there's nothing too interesting there i think the the, the interesting thing about anything having to do with area 51 would be the speculation about it and how it's impacted science fiction i think that's the thing that's that's kind of the the interesting thing about Area 51 is it kind of fueled this sort of artistic kind of thinking about aliens and what they look like and what they, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, definitely. With the whole like Roswell landing and yeah, yeah, painting then, that idea of what an alien is. Right. Yeah. And then also where are the worlds and stuff like that. I mean, just like the, you know, a lot of those are fear based, I think. And then E.T. was the creepiest looking alien ever. Jesus. <laughs> you ever see the movie E.T.? No. Ugh. I know it's probably pretty wild to say that, but no, I have not. He looks, he looks, it's like his head looks like a butt, like a reverse butt. I, mean, I don't know. It's just like a horrible looking alien who gets stranded on earth and a little boy connects with him. And it's just like, I, I even when it came out, I was like, it's okay. But I mean, you know, it wasn't something I was like, oh, E.T. is great. I think if I opened my door and saw E.T., I'd kick him straight off the balcony. He probably would. Yeah. yeah. Is that wrong to say? <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, come on. You see that little two foot high little, eh, yeah, no, yeah. not I mean, happening. You can't really predict what you do in a situation, right? I have a pretty good feeling about that one. Okay. It would just right foot, bam. Okay. <laughs> E.T.'s going home. Punt. Punt the <laughs> E.T. back to back home. Um, Absolutely. Get your Reese's Pieces and get out of here. That's a reference you're not going to understand. Yeah, I just know he goes in the bike basket and they fly through the air or something. It's real lovely. And it's also uh, like one of... Uh, Drew Barrymore? Drew Barrymore's first movies. Yeah. Yeah. See, I know that, but I, I just haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Movies... Okay, so this is the thing, too. Like, for being a fan of space stuff... Do you like movies about space and space exploration or media about that? Or is it something where I would rather think about what the actual science about it more than the exploration creatively? No, I definitely enjoy the movies. Okay. Yeah, movies, TV shows, games, whatever. Yeah. You know, and I think it that is what's interesting about it is like we do have obviously space in our world. You know, it's it's something that we can somewhat relate to. Right. But it's still so foreign to us that something like Star Wars or whatever is just so mesmerizing because yeah. it's like you're transported to a different world or a galaxy, but at the same time it's like, you know, it's still here in a way like yeah. you know we have space like there's other planets around us like even though in our day-to-day -day lives we don't interact with it it's still there and i always think that's really interesting yeah space and the the vastness of it i know fuels a lot of science fiction but you can't you know you can't say that science fiction there's a lot of science fiction that isn't space right but it's but it's a, you know it's a part of that an exploration of that oh yeah you said star wars are you a star wars guy or uh, a star trek guy or like well, do you have a listen ben only a sith deals in absolutes <laughs> <laughs> so no primarily i would say star wars okay i do like star I should, trek i should have known based yeah. on that comment yeah right <laughs> I do like Star Trek. I've kind of gotten into it more as I've gotten older. Mm -hmm. uh, but Star Wars was definitely like my first like love as far as science fiction goes. Okay. And we're um, talking about episode one, two, and three for you? Well, I did see those first. Okay. Um, just okay. based on the time, of course. Right. Uh, it actually right. wasn't until I got to high school that I watched the originals. And I was like, whoa, this yeah. is... You know, because when you're growing up, I guess, as a kid or whatever, it's like those seemed so old or like you know, in the past or whatever that right. I wasn't so 
into them, you know. Right. You they couldn't possibly be good. But. Right. Um but you know, then I watch it and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is so much better." At least in my opinion, you know, everybody has what they like best, but Right. Yeah, there's something special about that original trilogy. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And that that was I keep on saying this, but that was my first actual real big boy movie that I saw in the theaters when I A was A New Hope. Uh-huh. When That's I was, awesome. When yeah. I was, uh, I believe it was six years old, and I didn't want to go because my mom told me that there were people getting shot and killed in it, and I cried, and I didn't want to go. And then I saw it, and then I was like, I said, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. <laughs> it's like a whole new world. Yes. I think that was a lot of people. I mean, I wasn't around for it, but it seems like a lot of people were kind of like, oh, Star Wars. Right. That seems silly. And well, they watch it, and it's, whoa. When it was being filmed, too, I mean, all the people who were working on it was like, this thing is going to be horrible. Yeah. It's like at no point did people think like, oh, this is going to be a big success. That was part of the thing that was just amazing about it was the fact that no one no one thought. Yeah, I just, think it was Alec Guinness who played uh, Obi-Wan who right. was like, yeah, this is this is awful. Like he, he didn't enjoy his time, I don't think, really at all with no. that movie. Yeah, and you mentioned you saw the new Dune movie recently. Um, Incredible. How did they handle the folding of space stuff? The spice melange is what they use to fold space, which I'm guessing is some sort of a trip or some sort of a thing that allows you to travel in space without feeling the effects of psychological distances and or things like that. Yeah, so the, the spacing guild... Okay. They uh, they use the spice pretty much to navigate space. Okay, so it's because not... it gives you like a heightened uh, consciousness. Okay, and so they're able to like navigate at higher speeds or whatever. Gotcha. So that's what they mean by folding space. It's not so much a uh, a drug that impacts your perception. Well, no, I guess it does. No, right? it definitely is. Yeah, it gives you like a heightened consciousness and uh, all kinds of other little trippy side effects as well. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's very, very vital to the to the universe there. Sandworms. Sandworms. Mwadib. Mwadib. That's uh, Paul Atreides. Yeah. Paul Atreides. Look at is that name, right? Yeah, it's like the little desert mouse. Yeah. I think is what it translates to in their language. You said you never saw the first one, right? The, no. By the first one, I mean the David Lynch is the one that I saw. And at that age when it came out, the book itself was a little too dense for me, but I was sort of introduced to the universe as a part of the David Lynch movie. And then got into the background and all the different, like the history of the different factions and things through video games through a couple of games that came out that were dune themed one of which was dune 2 which was a strategy game kind of like command and conquer where you had to basically fight and defend territory and take over territory from a rival faction or whatever really great game for for back when it came out uh back in the 90s but anyway dune interesting world so you said, see the movie, acting choices, were there any eyebrow raising? Because was mm. it wasn't Bautista or what? Oh, yeah, Bautista. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is he okay? No, yeah. he fits his role, I think. He's supposed to be a brutish kind of monstrous, you know, airhead like kind of. Enforcer. Exactly. Sort of, no, you know. Yeah. 
Who is cast as uh, Granny Halleck? Josh Brolin. Okay. That's an interesting choice. Because in the David Lynch movie, it was Patrick Stewart. I will say he's, his role wasn't as big in this movie. I don't know if, if they have more planned for him, if they end up doing the sequel or what. Do you want a sequel? Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed their take on it. You know, I did read the book. I hadn't seen David Lynch's, but a lot of the visuals from this most recent movie were, you know, very similar to what I was having in my head. I mean, yeah. without taking credit for that imagination. You know, I just think they did a really good job putting, I guess, paper to screen. The worms, the worm, did they look, I mean, what did they look like in this? You know what? Don't tell me. That's <laughs> You're going to have to see it, Ben. Yeah. Um, I heard that uh, Sting, Sting's character in, in, the, in the movie doesn't exist. I'm not sure. I don't know what he played, if he was like Fade Rotha or whoever you say his oh. name. Yeah, is I, that thought it? Was, I thought it was Fade. Here, let me look it up. Because there are a couple characters that didn't show up in this one um, that should show up in the next one, presuming that they actually get it done. Okay. Because this was kind of like like the first 40 to 50%, I'd say, of the book was this movie. Okay. They kind of split it up. And doesn't at some point Paul Atreides turn into a worm? He doesn't. No, it's actually uh, one of his, I think it's his son, yeah, okay. that's like, uh, I think, the third or fourth book. Spoilers. Listen, these books have been around <laughs> forever. If, if we're spoiling it by telling you that piece of ant, that's... You know. Yeah. You know, it sounds wacky, but once you're once you're reading it, it kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Sting. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Fade. F-E-Y-D. Fade Ruth, Ruth, Rathra. <laughs> Fade Ratha. So he wasn't in the movie, but he's going to be in the movie? Right, yeah. He's okay. like the heir to the Harkonnen throne. Yeah. Yeah. Harkonnen. Is that how they pronounce it? I think so, yeah. I pronounce it Harkonnen. Harkonnen. I've, yeah. I think people do both ways. House I think Harkonnen. in the movie they went with Harkonnen, but Harkonnen, Harkonnen is always how I like read it, so it's kind of hard for me to okay. overwrite okay. it in my mind. Yeah. yeah. It's like you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable to show <laughs> your intelligence, so people think you're suave and deboner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you just said. <laughs> Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Um, you know, one thing that I remember, like when I'm thinking a space movie, I don't even think about it really being a space movie. One of my favorite space movies that's kind of a sort of a deep cut was a movie that Sean Connery did called Outland. Hmm. And the movie Outland was about it was very much a Western. It didn't get a lot of clout or as far as, you know, people enjoying it at the box office. But for some reason, it really connected to me. And it was like this this guy who is a marshal on a space station where it's a, a Martian space station mining operation. And the guy who runs the mining operation is basically lets some shady stuff go on and he tries to bribe the marshals and say just look the other way when these drugs come in and then there starts being a series of what they think are suicides well they are suicides but they're driven by this drug that is out there that's kind of like to to make people be able to stay up all night and do their jobs or whatever right okay a part of the Sean Connery's martial character, his development is that he sort of develops a conscience and he decides that he's going to 
basically buck the system and 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 just basically find out the source of all this stuff and and take this this guy who's the leader down who's been threatened him and stuff and it's a really interesting it's just like a western in a mining colony in space do you think about any other space movies other than just star wars just star wars that's it man Seriously? star wars all the time no i'm just kidding <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, there's all kinds. I oh, there's mean, so many. 2001 right? A Space Odyssey. Oh, gosh. The first time I watched that. I mean, it, it took a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like all the monkey scene at the beginning, I didn't really care for. Then I read the book because, okay. you know, Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick actually did both at the same time. It wasn't like one was based on the other. Right. Uh, I read the book, which is a little bit different, but that gave me like, a, I guess, more understanding of what he was going for in the beginning. Then when I watched it again, I was like, "Oh, this is way ahead of its time and right. so cool!" And you know, it was became a movie I'd watch like almost yearly. Yeah, I haven't watched it actually in a couple of years now. But critics and stuff didn't understand it. The populace didn't understand it. But the hippies and the and the and the people who did did the smoking of the the smoking of the reefer. The reefer. <laughs> people who did, you know, uh, it was it was a basically a very trippy sort of movie. And I remember seeing it as a young boy and not understanding it or not really enjoying it because it was very slow. The pace was, you know, it's kind of like the pace was slow and there, to me there was no payoff. Even the whole thing where you find out what this thing is and why Hal, who was built in Urbana-Champaign, Illinois, which is where I went to college. Oh, yeah, it's one of those movies that's not for everyone, and I still, I, I, I still don't get it. I try and watch it, and it's just kind of like it just doesn't. I, I understand where they're going. I, yeah, I just don't think it's executed properly. Okay, but that's me. Yeah, no, you know? for sure. And I, I, I mean, it didn't click for me at all at first. You know, it was one of those things where it's like once I read the book and started to get more of a feel of like I guess the overall story and the characters and how. It right. became really interesting, for sure. What about stuff that's more based in fantasy, like your Alien movie that has the tagline? Because that's another thing I think of is, in space, no one can hear you scream as the tagline. Yeah. Do you think that there's value in those in those types of sci-fi space movies? Oh, I mean, entertainment value, definitely. Yeah. And I mean... I, that's always that's timeless you know they're still trying to make new alien type movies or spin-offs oh, yeah. or prometheus whatever yeah ridley scott, ridley scott yeah. right did you know that ridley scott directed the 1984 that iconic apple 1984 commercial that was directed by ridley scott i didn't know that actually yeah. with the sledgehammer and everything right this is like right around the time he was being hailed as a brilliant man for like blade runner and and all these other movies but yeah, it's which really, even Blade Runner has like space elements to it. You don't really see it, but it's yeah, talked about. Like it's talked about. Yeah, going off world and everything. But yeah, and anyway. and the impacts of that space. Yeah, space exploration. I you know I think one of the more interesting movie concepts is you know the exploration of space, and I don't know how much how many exploration of space movies there are beyond your star trek that you know it's star trek is now more about the sport stories and less about the exploration right for sure um you said you were okay with that with with star trek yeah i like star trek for which sure. which was your i mean everyone has a generation of their star trek Mine, the next generation is the one i've seen the most of okay. definitely okay yeah. 
Yeah, Patrick Stewart. Yep. Yeah. When I went to college was when that was just starting, and it started getting popular, and we would watch it on our college floor. That and The Simpsons were the big shows that we watched. I think movie and television shows with that, there's The Expanse, which is kind of an interesting sort of television show on Amazon Prime. Did you watch any of the... I haven't seen The Expanse, but uh, everything I've heard has been really good about The Expanse. It's an, just an interesting sort of story about... I, I think if you haven't seen it, I think you would enjoy it because it feels like it's got Dune-like factions that are kind of squaring off against each other. You've got an Earth Federation. You've got a group of people that are on a mining planet that are born there that are fighting for something. And then you've got another sort of counter kind of faction for the lack of a better word and it gets really complex and there's a lot of kind of interesting trippy so so to speak things that go on with you know people being transformed and uh, and stuff but it's yeah it's it, it's, it's a book too right or is it based on a book or is it an original series i thought it was an original series i can't remember yeah i, I want to say original. there's a book but i could be thinking of something else let me look it up based on a series of novels of the same name by James S. A. Corey. So The Expanse is based on a series of novels. And I think James S. A. Corey is actually two people, if I remember that right. Yeah, I think it's like a pen name. James S. A. Corey is two people who are James S. and A. Corey. Oh, how about that? Is that what you mean? Oh, I don't know. I thought you were reading that off of the internet. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, no, but I, I, I think, uh, yeah, that's like a pen name for two guys that work on like, you the are, book. You the are book. correct. Ooh, yes. Look at that. Frank and Abraham. The pen name used for collaborators, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. See, you know your stuff about space and space books. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Or science fiction. Give me space books for 2000, Alex. Yes. What is... You know another good space book? Uh Uh-huh. The Three-Body Problem. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of that I've never heard of that. No. It's by... I'm probably going to butcher this, but Liu Cichen. It's a Chinese author. Okay. It's a trilogy really good stuff came out like five or six years ago i want to say or maybe even earlier but that was like when it came out in the u.s i think like translated what's the general gist of it so pretty much china's been beaming periodically since the 60s like messages into space trying to you know discover aliens so to speak eventually one of the messages gets returned by you know another civilization oh wow and uh pretty much tells them don't ever broadcast anymore. If you broadcast anymore, we'll be able to find your location and we will take you over, pretty much. Like, he's a sympathetic alien, so to speak. He's warning them. He's saying, hey, yeah, this is going to happen. He's like, pretty much, this. our whole planet got your message. We can't figure out where you are yet, but if you send another message, we'll be able to know, like, based on how long it transmitted or whatever, we'll know where your general location is. Without spoiling too much, they eventually come towards the earth and well <laughs> you're gonna have to read the book you're gonna have to read the book liu si chen okay no okay. it's really good though all right it's, it's it's a little bit more of a darker i guess more realistic take on what could happen other than the like oh here come the aliens and we're gonna you know take me to your leader type stuff 
it's huh. a little it's a little more grounded in like how it, how we it, might be screwed how it would really operate okay. and like the general mass panic it would cause and all that good stuff this is one that i remember that's an interesting book about colonists from earth it's called the legacy of hero by larry niven and stephen burns and jerry Pornell. i guess three authors that's interesting but it, it, the, i remember this book my uh, stepfather suggested that I read it, and it's about this creature that they call Grendel. Oh, like from, Beowulf? Like Beowulf. Yeah. And it's, the, it's basically like, you know, it's like alien level, like the movie Alien, like that level, like Predator. Okay. Basically, they got to find and save themselves on this, on this planet from this thing. They make a set of assumptions about the biology of this planet that are false assumptions that kind of creates a, a more more problematic situation for them in 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 that environment because they don't understand the ecology. Okay. So as far as you know, it, it's a little preachy, I guess, but it's an interesting story because it's you know it's once they get to a planet, what do you do, right? Once you get somewhere, once you've traveled through space and you land somewhere, what happens? Mm-hmm. And that is important. If we're going to travel this vast distance, you better have a plan. Oh, yeah. Right? Several plans, probably. A good plan in- includes contingencies. In my definition of a plan, contingencies are included. Fair play. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but, and one last thing before we headed into video games really quick. We mentioned Dune as one of your favorite movies of the 20s yeah whatever we're at these days right right the 20s the 20s the roaring 20s oh yes not the 1900s roaring 20s the new roaring 20s the meh 20s the meh 20s (laughs) we talked about this off the air jedaworski's uh dune it's a documentary about alejandro jedaworski and his unsuccessful attempt to make a Dune movie in the mid-70s. If you're a Dune fan of the books and the movies, you should definitely check out this documentary because it's very interesting and very eye-opening. And just all the different design that was done by Geiger, like who designed the alien, so interesting. Just how it was just kind of like this thing that was, he was a, a visionary before his time, and just the technology and the know-how and how to do it just wasn't there. So it never got made. The David Lynch version got made because the rights to make the movie lapsed. So yeah, it got like stuck in studio hell. Right, right? exactly. But it was a very ambitious-looking pro- project. Uh, one thing, we talked about Star Wars and Star Trek. Did you ever watch The Orville? The Orville? yes. Oh, that's with uh, Seth MacFarlane, right? Seth MacFarlane's sort of love letter to Star Trek. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. Okay. It was on the Fox Network and it got canceled, but it got picked up by Hulu. And so it is going to be coming out. I just saw an announcement. June 2nd is when the new uh, next generation, they're changing the name, the Orville, the new whatever. As far as someone paying respects to something that they found joy in as a younger as a younger person i think it does a very good job if you're expecting his kind of 
family guy sort of comedy, that's not what you're going to get. You're going to get some odd situations that are driven by his mind, right? Like as far as comedy is concerned, but more like his movies and less controversial and more just, you know, just normal human interactions. Very much, like I said, like like the next generation did, where they made the characters seem more human and have more background than the first version of the series that it seemed kind of over the top and overacted and not sure. You should definitely check out the Orville before uh, the new version of it comes out. I just watched the Orville trailer, June 2nd, Orville New Horizons. My concern about it being on Hulu is that it's going to change the comedic sort of timing and the sort of tone because now he'll be able to do whatever the hell he wants, right? Mm. He's going to have more freedom. So he can do some of the crazy, wacky, zany shit that he does, you know. It could uh, go either way. It could go either way. We could see some really imaginative stuff. We could see Peter Griffin in space. Yeah, I don't, I hope we don't see Peter Griffin. (laughs) Hey, Lois, I'm in space. Yeah. You do impressions too. That's Oh yeah, world class. Yeah, no, that's great. (laughs) He's built so far a really interesting sort, I mean, you you can look at the different characters and say, oh, that's a Klingon and oh, that's a this and that's a that. But they don't, they're not, right? He it's like actually, different enough. It's different enough, right? Yeah. It's his own universe, but they're definitely based on, you know, you've got a synthetic life form and you've got this thing and that thing, but they all have their own sort of back history. Um, oh, the other thing too is there's this, blob the gelatinous blob that was played by norm mcdonald so norm mcdonald's no longer with the series i hope they maintain the same balance because it was just such a wonderful breath of fresh air for me personally like someone who obviously loved and was impacted by star trek the next generation writing sort of a love letter to that there's also an interesting dynamic between ed mercer who's the captain and his his commander they used to be married and then she cheated on him, and he was all torn up. Finally got his own ship, but she is now his commander. <laughs> so there's a lot of they know each other, but they're just trying to feel out how to interact with each other, too. So there's like a, a little bit of interesting drama there. Sounds spicy. A little bit. It's, it's a little off color. So let's talk about space games games yeah so when you think about space games we we mentioned you talked about earlier uh star wars squadrons yes you said you played that in virtual reality did you also play it in regular mode or did you only play it in virtual reality i did do the regular once or twice okay did you play through both the rebels and the alliance yeah, actually, I didn't even finish the game because, unfortunately, the PS4 was on its way out at that point. Oh, but okay. uh, it actually it oscillates between the two. So right, you get to do both, right. like every other mission, I think it is. So. Yeah, and it's got like a story a story mode for each one of those yeah. factions. That, yeah, you actually like create a character for each of them. Yeah. And you can like make them however you want or whatever. But I did uh, buy it. I didn't play too much of it because it wasn't, I mean, Flight. And combat, um, space combat simulators are one of those things where it can be fun 
but it's not it's not what drives me. I mean, even back in the days of X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, back in the early, you know, like the early 90s when that stuff was coming out from LucasArts, it was cool to play, but still the best game that I ever played that felt like a, a space game in the Star Wars genre was the Star Wars arcade game, which I showed to you. Yeah. For 1984 technology, it was just amazing what they did with it. Oh yeah. What other space games do you do you like? I mean, if you like if you like universe building and sci-fi stuff, do you like things like Mass Effect? Do you like things like space exploration or? Yeah, space exploration is cool for sure. Um, I was in on the whole No Man's Sky craze a few years back, oh. and then it came out, and everyone was kind of like, oh. Yeah, and then you know, to their credit, they kept working on it and adding all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, I've never really gotten back into it. I know a lot of people have. Yeah, um, it was definitely a fun game. So that's one of those success stories, right? Where it's like it didn't start out hundred percent. I would say I would put Destiny in that in that category. I think you could. Yeah, they made it into something that was really significant and and cool. There was a ridiculous amount of hype for Destiny. Yeah. I mean, it was supposed to be like the Halo for PlayStation, you know, or, and, uh, I think, you know, it, it kind of got presented as this big open world kind of thing. And, you know, it felt like it was a lot grounded and smaller than that. Like you can only go to like four places and right. whatever. Well, now, now that they're on their own right they're their own company again because back in those days weren't weren't they owned by who were they owned by were they activision was uh, it activision that owned them that owned bungie yeah yeah i think so i think and, it, they were the parent company yeah sure. and i think that was part of the problem was it's like you know you have you're answering to your or <laughs> your financial overlords yeah you're, you're you know they're saying we need this game out by blah Kind of similar to the way that Anthem also had problems with with Bioware uh, releasing Anthem. Did you ever play Anthem? No, I didn't. I missed Anthem that one. was so it had so much promise. It was one of those ones that putting it out was rushed, right? Yep. But the flying was so satisfying. The robots, the vehicles were so great and so all the the potential was there yeah the potential was definitely there and it felt satisfying to fly around the planet it's just that the execution and the vision wasn't solid even the story it felt a little half-baked but they were making improvements on it but i i think ea made the final call and said yeah we're we're done with anthem yeah it's unfortunate yeah and that's i mean we mentioned no man's sky i think that's the exact same thing i think they felt like they realistically needed more time to develop what they wanted for the game. And I think Sony was like, no, we need this out, you know, this quarter or whatever. Right. And right. what you got, what you got pretty much. Yeah. But, but, but to their credit, they continued to develop it and add an add on. And I think showed what their original vision kind of was before, you know, they got into it and meddled with it. When a company does that though, doesn't that ruin their reputation for the next iteration? Or because you see that their heart is in the right place, do you let something like that slide? Because I'm still interested in whatever Bioware does, even though that was kind of a, a misstep, Anthem. I enjoyed my time with Anthem. I thought it was great for what it was. I enjoyed playing it. But 
a lot of people did not, and a lot of people had a lot of criticisms about it, and there was a lot of hype. That's the problem with hype, right? Mm-hmm. Hype when it doesn't when when you when you hype something up, you're you're trying to get the knowledge of that thing out there, but you can't you can't control hype. No, because that's generated by people. It's an organic sort of thing. You can say advertise this or show certain things or promote things on a product that make people excited about it. But that's when when the hype gets to a point where it's at a critical mass, any company, they can't do anything about it. You can't like, you know, I mean, I guess you could you could release negative <laughs> negative publicity like any try any, to temper the expectations maybe, a little. Maybe yeah. but, but I mean the only way to temper expectation and that you know in the internet age it's not realistic to think that you can temper expectations when there's so much information and misinformation out there. Like even like let's talk about cyberpunk cuz we briefly talked about Blade Runner, which sounded, sure. you know, it's like Blade Runner the yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play Cyberpunk? Nope. YouTube videos were enough for me on that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, here, here's the thing. Anyone who had a PC, great, wonderful, amazing. I had the PlayStation 4 version. I got it day and date the first day. And then when it was delisted, I was one of the only people who had it, but they were still putting out patches, which is great. I mean, that's a good one of those things where it's like, same thing as No Man's Sky. Yep. They're continuing to make improvements on it. I seem to remember that Witcher 3 was similar for CD Projekt Red where it came out and it was in a shambles. But then once they started making improvements and adding content and things like that, it got to the point where people were like, this is an amazing game. Yeah, no, it's one of the top games of the decade probably at this point. Right, but it didn't start out that way, right? Sure. So cyberpunk where it suffered was the hype that was generated for it but i had no problems with that game the only thing that i had a problem with that game sometimes i would have to restart the game as in like i save a point and then i have to come back to a house that had too many things drawn you had this dynamic where you could actually hack into people but part of hacking into people is seeing their outlines and and you would see everyone who is in in the building and that had a tendency to kind of slow the game down a bit. Oh, okay. Uh, as far as, you like know, frame rate processing. And everything. Yeah. Right. It was noticeable. And that's kind of part of the stuff that people had complaints about. They also had complaints about different things like... Like driving mechanics and... Yeah, the, the standing up in the car, the T the yeah. thing. <laughs> yes. The story was interesting. The story was compelling. I enjoyed myself immensely. I platinumed the game. They're still putting out content for it in fact they announced that this quarter they're gonna have a a free a free content update for it and i'll I'll admit like i was very excited for that game i played the witcher all the way through and uh i loved that game yeah and i actually still want to you know go back and play it through again sometime so i was very excited for cyberpunk and it was right around the same time when i was uh getting a gaming pc too so i was like oh this is gonna be great and it probably would have been on the pc but oh yeah i, I, I say- got to admit though you know that was after the release so once i saw the release and all the issues that it had especially on the consoles it did drive me away I and know. you know and i eventually i might go to it cause, i would say i would say pick it up if you yeah. got it, if it's on sale you can you can probably pick it up now and be be good to go and that's the other thing too. When something doesn't meet expectations, it becomes something that's under a microscope. 
then you start pulling things into like, okay, crunch time, that's the problem, or harassment in the workplace, or people not being paid, or these people get bonuses, or the development this, or, you know, you know what I mean? Other people, they start digging for things that are not related to the game sure. because they're problems. And maybe they're trying to find out the causes of those problems. I don't know. It's a sticky wicket. Yeah, it's a bit of a slippery slope for companies, I think. Yeah. Once they put out a dud, it takes a bit to come back from that. And here's the thing, too. Look at the sales on, on, on Cyberpunk. Pretty amazing. Not what they were expecting, but still, considering it was a game that people said is a, is a piece of garbage on the older systems, they sold a yeah. lot. I would definitely recommend it, especially if you have a high-end PC now. High-ish. Uh, high-ish. <laughs> Not like $4,000, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other space games that you play that are like, do, do you like space combat? Do you like, uh, when you think of space games, do you think of space combat games or do you think of games that are set in space and have exploration and alien life and different races of aliens and things like that. Do, what, what I do think you it think? would be the latter for me. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, space combat has its place, and we talked about Star Wars uh, Squadrons, but, you know, in that same sense, it does get a little, I guess, old if you're just kind of flying around and, you know, doing space battles. It's fun for a bit, but, you know, I like to have a little bit more... I guess depth or right, you know, going to the different worlds. Like, I think we uh, we talked off air about Elite Dangerous as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Elite. Um, and I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's any actual like planet exploration in that. I think it's all on the spaceships itself. So I was told by someone who was one of the one of the founders that that was something that they were adding, but I don't know where they're at with it. Hmm. Um, that you would be able to go down to the planet. Um, I still think it's focused on finding the planets but yeah. not actually going to the planets sure did you ever play elite no i have not played okay and the reason you wanted to do the no man's sky uh is because of what the procedurally generated stuff seemed yeah that seemed real exciting you know especially at the time this idea of well actual exploration you know i mean these aren't right. designed worlds it's all kind of random who knows what kind of weird things you'll run into or whatever and i think that does capture like the essence of exploration more than you know going to a place where i don't know might have been created intentionally or whatever i guess it could go either way because obviously if a developer is intentionally creating something they can always hide stuff or whatever for you to find right but there was yeah that kind of allure of like this is really actually random and you know unknown or whatever the vastness of it it really felt like space in that regard and i think elite dangerous was always something i wanted to play for a while i don't think it was available on playstation okay it did eventually okay. come over to ps4 at that point, you know, I think I was making the move over to PC anyway. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it would definitely be on my list, too, at this point, you know, yeah. added to the never-ending list of right. things to check out. The backlog, as people call it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's since I'm a story-based guy, I like to I like the, the Mass Effect kind of thing. I like that. What's the next one that's coming out? Oh, isn't it uh, Bethesda has Starfield, right? Oh, I don't think I've heard of Starfield. Oh, Starfield's been in the works for a while. That's going to be like the next big sort of Skyrim, but space kind of thing. Well, that sounds pretty sweet to me. Yeah. Action role-playing game, 
developed by Bethesda Studios, announced during the E3 press conference in 2018. They're they're still working on it. Um, Now that Bethesda is owned by Microsoft, originally it was going to come out for both both systems. It was going to be on the PlayStation, but I think they recently said that it's not. Oh, okay, like um, an Xbox exclusive. Or yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Well, you know, Bethesda, or I don't even know if I said that right, but uh, they kind of are coming off of a dud, too, with, uh, what was it, Fallout 76? Wasn't that their latest? Or have they had any others? I don't even well, know. if you include under the Bethesda umbrella the other, isn't Bethesda composed of other companies underneath that, right? Like you make, um, that make, like, Doom... Like the, they might the new be, yeah. Doom games or the new, I, I don't know. Yeah, Starfield looks like planetary exploration sort of story-based, described as wholly new next-generation experience with entirely new space-themed world will be the first new intellectual property developed by Bethesda in over 25 years. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I don't know how I didn't hear about this. But. Starfield is set in the area of extended outward, uh, that extends outward from the solar system for approximately 50 light years called the Settled Systems. In the year 2310, there is, of course, a war going on, a colony war, and it takes place 20 years after the events of the colony war. So it's going to be kind of like it looks like, you know, a Skyrim in space is basically what it seems like it's going to be. Uh, there's apparently, it, it says here, 11-11-22 is when it's going to be released. Ooh. Well, it's definitely on the radar. It's definitely going to be, it looks like Windows and Xbox Series X. So, initially they said it was going to be PlayStation, no more. Do you, What do you think about that as far as intellectual properties between companies and, and the the move that seems like Microsoft is grabbing up these companies? I mean, I think it's unfortunate. You know, I, I guess in a way it seems like a necessary evil just in the sense that they have so much money and they're going to try and do whatever they can mm-hmm. to get the edge over the other, um, you know, console, I guess. But I think, you know, for gamers, it's definitely a... Uh, a downside yeah you know it sucks having to try and plan out what console you're trying to get just based on what games are available for it i mean that sounds like something from you know a long time ago like atari or something right right feels like we should be in the age of like every game is available on that you know for whatever you have yeah and and that was sort of what they were saying initially microsoft said well you know the the we're not going to limit gamers you know they they said all these things and now it's like starfield is only going to be on the xbox and it's like well that's kind of counter to exactly what you said yeah (laughs) it's unfortunate that we're that we're kind of going that direction yeah i mean we talked about like crossplay being a thing that would be implemented for you know a long time and certain games take advantage of it right but they're very few and far between you know it's well and and now playstation is doing better on that i know that i played um outriders recently and outriders was one of those cool outriders was a fun game to play it had its it had its problems but um it was like three player cooperative against the environment kind of thing very satisfying game dynamics were fun enjoyed the gameplay loop at the end is a little 
I don't know, hollow because they don't have a lot of stuff to do at the very end other than just basically get better weapons through just basically doing, you know, the same boss fights over and over again kind of thing. Oh, okay. But for that, what that's worth, it was a well-made game. It had a thing where you could, you could, I could play with people on the PC and I could play with people on the Xbox Something like Warframe, though, th- those infrastructures were built before uh, any of this was thought about, right? So right. something like Warframe, it's an impossibility unless they rebuild the whole thing from the ground up to sure. have cross-play between your PC, your Xbox, and your PlayStation, and maybe even your Nintendo. They have a version for the Nintendo Switch, if you can believe that. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I have the- not, but that's... Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it sounds it seems wild. I don't know how it would even be playable on that without a pro controller. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, there are a lot of space properties. The most memorable ones for me are the ones from the arcades. Like I said, the Star Wars, they had a Star Trek one where you were where you were um it was a top down space combat thing where Klingons would appear. So it was part top down on a map and then there was part that was the perspective of looking at like a front window. Oh, okay. And then a map on the side and you had to use this. It had a chair, very similar to the chairs we're sitting in actually where, and you would have this little dial that would rotate where the ship was. And then you have your buttons for your, your photon torpedoes and your, your warp and you know, all the essentials. All the essentials yeah. and lasers and stuff. But it was very basic. It was also like that vector graphics kind of style. A lot of fun. Do you have any other space games? Well, you know, it's not really space, but uh, in a way, I guess, tangentially, Rocket League. You oh. Know, I mean, you pretty much have a rocket engine in a car. You, you have an element think, of space, I, I think, guess. I think that's I think that's more sport. <laughs> I would put that in the sport category. I would call that soccer cars. That's the beautiful thing about soccer cars is you don't have to put them in one category. I wouldn't call Rocket League. <laughs> no, it's not a space game no, at all. No, it's not but, a space game. You know, since we were talking about cross-platform play and everything, yeah. I had to bring it up. The space shuttle. Are you a little too you're you're maybe a little too young for the space shuttle and all the tragedy and stuff with the Oh, I have memories of uh what was it the oh geez, now the pressure's on. The what was the one in the early two thousands? The Columbia? Was it the Columbia or was it the Challenger? Challenger was in the eighties. That was the one that I remember yeah. the blowing up. Yeah. No, the one with the Columbia then when they were like re entering the atmosphere. Yeah, and then just burned up. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely remember that for sure. I think I was like nine or something, but yeah. I definitely remember that. Yeah. I almost said fond memories, not fond. Yeah. But well, very, very distinct. Yeah, distinct. That's a good way of putting it. Like yeah. I can remember being in the living room, seeing it on the T V screen and you know, like just the disbelief everybody had. Oh, yeah. 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 And I remember seeing that myself when I came home from school at lunch and I saw, you know, this, the, the, the remnants of the space shuttle, like one fell here and one fell here. I was like, oh, they could be okay. Yeah. And then, which was not realistic. Um, but anyway, they had a game for the Atari 2600. Are you familiar with the Atari 2600? Oh, yeah, with the little joystick. Yeah, the one-button joystick. Okay, so one of the things that was memorable to me as far as what I played, Activision had 
these things called the, these Activision patches, um, which was kind of a revolutionary thing, I thought, back in those days, where if you got a certain score um, above a certain, you know, like in the in the manual, it would say, if you get this level and above, send in a picture of the score on your screen and we will send you a patch. And it would be like these little iron-on sort of patches that you could get, right? Cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. And so they had a game called Space Shuttle. And what Space Shuttle was, was it was launching the space shuttle into space and you had to basically, you know, do certain movements and as you were going up and and then maneuver and then re-enter and then land the space shuttle. And this is Atari 2600 graphics, right? Yeah. So you're thinking, well, how do you do that with just one button and one joystick, right? Well, here's what they did. They they kind of what they ended up doing was they had this little overlay for all the switches that you had for different things. And they used the switches to do things like raise the landing gear, lower the landing gear, do the things like that. So you had to have really good timing to get it done. But if you landed the space shuttle on the low, medium, or high level, you got uh, an Activision patch for doing that. And I remember landing the landing the space shuttle and feeling like, you know, after I kept on crashing and burning or whatever. Putting on the aviator glasses and walking <laughs> off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah, well, not really. Not really. <laughs> not what looked like the right stuff kind of thought. No, um, it was, you know, it was an enjoyable thing that I remember from my childhood. On the Even though it was on the Atari 2600, it was a simulator that was kind of uh, very unique for the times. Do you remember the Ferris, uh, the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Of course. They had a scene where Ferris Bueller and his buddies went to a Chicago radio station, WLS, and was on the radio station and said he was going to be the first teenager in space. And that part, that little sequence, was removed because at the time, that's when the space shuttle, you know, the, yeah, Challenger, the Challenger. Yeah, so that's when that happened. That's a little tidbit of information, but they had something where they I was going to say, a, I didn't remember that. No, but yeah, no, that, that, that makes it sense. Just wasn't in there because of that. Well, on that note, you want to, you want to close out the show with some sort of a spacely wisdom, <laughs> spacely. Oh my gosh. Spacely sprockets. We forgot about the Jetsons. The Jetsons. You remember the Jetsons? Yeah, of course. I would watch them on Boomerang. <laughs> oh, okay. You did the, uh, or as I like to call them, the Flintstones in space. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much what it was. Do you think, we'll, sure. do you think we're ever going to have floating cars? <sighs> Who knows, Who right? Who knows? I Who mean, knows? we were supposed to have them like 20 years ago, I think. Really? <laughs> we, we don't even have, we don't even have hoverboards. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Well, they have wheels on them. They well, don't. They don't hover though. Right. <laughs> They're right, like glidey the, boards. Glidey. It's, <laughs> it's like a skateboard turned sideways, pretty yeah. much. That kind of reminds me of what I. I like to uh, confuse people by calling my shirts torso pants. <laughs> <laughs> so I. It's like, hey, check out my <laughs> check out my pair of torso pants. Yeah. <laughs> eh? eh, look at this. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, it's a pair of torso pants. Anyway. So let's just wrap up the show by saying space, it's vast. Explore it, right? Yeah. All right. 
Space. Space. The The final final frontier. frontier. These are the voyages of the Two Vague Podcast. It's continuing mission to bore you to death. (laughs) So thank you very much, Paul, for joining me on the on the on the podcast. We could probably go on for another day or two just talking about space. Um, riffing on space but uh, thank you so much for joining us this week yeah Uh, thanks for having me yeah it's been a lot of fun excellent yeah and uh we want you back oh i'll be here at some point we'll we'll figure out another word yes because that was that was a lot of fun so maybe simulators maybe tanks who knows stay tuned thank you for joining us here on the two vague podcast my name is ben and i'm paul and we've been your hosts have a great night bye bye